Welcome to the Apostolic Keynote Podcast from King of Faith Church. This message is by Jonathan Dyke. How many of you use the Bible reading kind of program thing? Are we, are we using that? Okay. So part of the really what God's been speaking to my heart and what I want to try and share with you just for a few minutes and then we can respond is, is one of the Bible reading stories and um, all of the certainly the New Testament Bible readings and a few of the Old Testament ones for June are all around miracles and all around healings. And it's my conviction that God is sowing the word of faith around healings and miracles for several reasons. Firstly, so that we receive our miracle and we receive the healing that we might need. And then we become the miracle workers and the agents of healing that God wants us to be. So in other words, healing starts in my own life on how do I see the healer. Uh, and there was an interesting comment that Andrew Boyd, who was leading through service on Sunday, he made this little phrase, and I, I think I've heard it before, but I can't remember who said it. But he said something like this, before we, need, before we find out who we are, we need to find out whose we are. And I think that's pretty, pretty deep. I mean, most of you guys, you've probably heard it a thousand times, which is probably a problem. Because sometimes when we hear the same thing the same amount of times, we become familiar with it. And I think God just wants to remind us this morning, and the kind of the message for this morning is God blesses the leftovers. That's the message that I've got in my heart for us uh, this morning, is that God blesses the leftovers. But this, this whole uh, sentence that Andrew said on Sunday, which is, you know, before we try and find out who are we, who are we, am I, am I this person, am I that person, am I to do this or am I to do that, or, you know, is God going to use me like that or is God going to use me like this? The first thing I want to find out is, is whose am I? Is that I actually belong to Jesus and Jesus has got a great plan for my life and it doesn't actually matter what that plan is. What matters is that I belong to Jesus. It doesn't actually matter whether I'm at the front of things or seem to be left over at the back of things. Is it because I belong to Jesus? That's the key. Back Gary, mate. I'm glad you're here. And for those listening to the message, that's Gary Rumbold. He's our pastoral director. He's a good guy. Hallelujah. But I, I just want to spend just a few moments looking at this scripture and, and, and pulling out some of the thoughts that certainly God gave me. He might give you some other ones as we're just kind of sharing the word together. But it's in Matthew um, chapter 15, um, and uh, we're going to kind of cut through a little bit of a journey. So uh, J- Jesus has basically walked over the water, he's done all of that, um, he's, he's gone across to the other side, the other side where he set his heart and his mind to go, and he's delivered some people, and he set some people free, and he, he moves on a little bit in the beginning of chapter 15, down to where we're going to look at now, which is on verse 21. Chapter 15 of Matthew. So Jesus is on a journey. He's on a journey with people that follow him in different levels. Some follow him really, really closely, uh, and they're with him a lot. Some come because he can offer them something, and then they leave. Some because they want to come and criticize him, and then sometimes they leave. Some people just come into, into his life and out again because they have a particular need. And pretty much all of those particular needs is that they need to find freedom in their life. And you might only hear about them once or maybe twice, but in that moment of, in t- of a touching Jesus, it totally transforms their life forever. I don't know about you, but I want to be somebody a bit like that. But this is a faith 
church, isn't it? Right, okay. So, okay, so when, when, when we look at this story, I think there's some principles here that, that Jesus wants to encourage you and me that even God uses the leftovers. So it says in uh, verse 21, Leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Canaanite woman from that vicinity came to him, crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon-possessed and suffering terribly. Jesus did not answer a word. You might have thought that was a bit harsh. Um, When I first read it, I thought, "That's that's a bit harsh. Because most of the times when people came to Jesus and said, son of David or son of man or whatever, he normally responded. But here he didn't do anything. His response was, he didn't do anything. And sometimes, I don't know about you, but I can come to the Lord and say, God do this, God do that, God do something else, and, I, and the response is nothing. Let me know what I'm talking about. Is it kind of, you know, sort this out, or do that one, or change this in my life, or do that. And, and we're going upwards a lot, but the response is nothing. I don't even know that actually that is a good response if it's a God response. So the first point is, is that when God doesn't seem to say anything, there's a reason for that. And usually it's to test us, not to test God. God wants to prove himself faithful, and the way that he proves himself faithful is that he wants us to be faithful towards him. Hallelujah. So sometimes when we say, God do this or God do that, or please do this or please do that, and there's nothing, it's not that God hasn't answered, his answer is nothing. Thank you, Jesus. So this, this lady, she was crying. She was using the right name. She was coming in humility. Have mercy on me. She was very clear with what she was expecting from God. And Jesus' answer was, just wait a minute. Wait. That's actually what he was saying, was wait. Because I think there was a conversation coming up which he also wanted to deal with. The conversation went like this. His disciples came to him. Here's a thought. When sometimes we don't hear the answer from Jesus that we want to hear, sometimes our mates will give us the answer instead. And sometimes it's not God's answer, it's their answer. Again, is this just me I'm talking about, or do you get that as well? So here's this woman coming to Jesus, help me, help me, help me. His answer is nothing. So all all of the disciples say, sort out, shut up. That's what it says, isn't it? It says... His disciples came to him and urged him, send her away, she keeps crying out after us. Actually, she wasn't crying out after them, she was crying out after him. Come on, read what it says. She wasn't saying, oh, disciples help me, she was saying, Jesus help me. And can I just suggest that sometimes we're in the middle of stuff, we're in the workplace, we're sorting out faith count, we're doing this, we're doing that, we're doing the other, and we're saying, God, sort it out, sort it out, sort it out, and his answer is nothing at all. Don't let the disciples give you the answer that Jesus hasn't given you. Wait for it. Because sometimes we can think that because we wait, we're less important to God than those that seem to get the answer straight away. Now, it's not true. It's just not true. And sometimes it amazes me. It amazes me when I hear other people, you know, standing up at 12 o'clock or standing up on a Sunday or just in life saying, you know, Jesus told me this and Jesus told me that. And I'm sitting there thinking, well, Jesus spoke to me as often as that. It's like, I seem to have a ministry of void sometimes. Like, Jesus, sort it out. And it's like, the answer is, no, I don't want nothing. I don't want silence. I want something. But what I'm learning and what I want to try and convey to you is in that substance of nothing is God. 
Hallelujah. In the substance of God, answering with nothing is substance. Because the substance is his presence. <laughs> like this. The presence was with the disciples. The presence actually was getting really close to the woman. She approached the presence using his name and using his character. You are the son of David and you're a merciful son. Can I just suggest that because we have received the name of Jesus, how many of you have, I won't say that, how many of you have given your life to Jesus? I won't say that either. Let's assume we all have, but I now have his name. I'm now in his presence. So to be with him is far more important to me than just hearing what he has to say all the time. But let's not go down the route of, oh, Jesus never talks to me, therefore he doesn't like me, is a lie. Jesus never tells me anything like he tells everybody else. It's a lie. He tells you and me what we need to know, when we need to know it. What we need to lay hold of is presence. He is with me. Therefore, there's a therefore there for a reason. Therefore, I don't have to be afraid. Therefore, I don't have to worry. Therefore, no weapon fashion. All of that comes out of his presence with me. And with you. Woo, Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Just read on a little bit more, because I haven't got to the best bit yet. The woman came and knelt before him. She changed her position. She wasn't just crying out. She wasn't just calling on the Lord. She wasn't just um, ex- uh, speaking out her perception of his nature. No, she came and presented herself before the Lord. I think this is a key to how we get answers from Jesus is that we can be in the presence of God and we can just be doing what we're doing and God's not saying anything much and this that. If we want to hear something new, do something new. If we want Jesus to use us in a different way, maybe we've got to approach him in a different way. Maybe through fasting, maybe through just some set-aside time, maybe by stopping doing that and starting to do it. I have no idea. All I know is, is this woman shows us a principle, which is why I think Jesus didn't speak. Firstly, he wanted the disciples to jump in. Here's the answer, here's the answer. Jesus said, that's not the answer. And then give space for this woman to change her position. The woman came and knelt before him. Lord, help me. It, pretty much, that is basically saying, Jesus, save me. How many of you know that that's the quickest answer that Jesus, sorry, the quickest prayer that Jesus would ever answer is, Jesus, save me. And the reason for that is because Jesus Christ, Messiah, means I have come to save you. Jesus saved me. And maybe we think, because we're now saved, that's it. No, no, Jesus wants to save me today. He wants to save you today. He wants to save you from feeling isolated, feeling like a leftover feeling like a coulda, woulda, shoulda person, he wants to save you into the knowledge that you are his first choice, not his last choice. He wants to save you into knowing that he has the best plan for you, not an alternate plan, because you cocked up the first one. (laughs) Come on, that you are the apple of his eye. You are at the front of his vision. He believes in you. I I love that song, we believe in you. Every time I sing that one, I hear Jesus singing it about me. And it freaks me out. It's like, what? I believe in you, Jesus. Yeah, I know that, but actually, you need to know that he believes in you. 
I'm just going to keep talking until you get, at least take that miserable look off your face, half of you. Come on, wake up, it's morning, it's a Jesus time, hallelujah. Woo-wee. The woman came and out before him, Lord help me, she replied. She said, he then replied. So he didn't answer the first time, no he did. So just in the way that she changed her position, boom, now she's beginning to hear from God. So she's in his presence, come into his presence, Lord, help me, here's a need, please help me. He doesn't say anything, so the disciples just jump right in there. Oh, well, it's this, oh, it's this, oh, it's this. No, it's not what Jesus was going to say. It's not what Jesus was going to say. It's not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. What's he saying? A bit of a story. If you really knew who I was, you know who I'm here for. And he wasn't calling the woman a dog. All right. That's, that's not quite how that means. What he's saying is, the best part of me is for the people that I want it to be the best part of. I think it's another little challenge. You see, I think, I wonder whether we sometimes think when Jesus does answer us, it's not the answer that we wanted. So firstly, nothing is the answer, but the presence is the answer. That when Jesus begins to speak, maybe it's not what we want to hear. Or is that just me? Am I just, am I, maybe this is just me. Is that sometimes I'm saying, God, do this, do this, do this, or what about this, what about this? And he says that, and it's like inside me, it's like, I, thanks for speaking, God, but I didn't want to hear that. Or, thanks for speaking, God, but can it change your mind? Have you got any honest people in the room? And if it doesn't come in the way that I want it to come, I can think, oh, well, God doesn't really love me. God doesn't get me. Well, I think God gets me. I think God gets us. I think I know God gets me because he made me. He knew me before I was made. I think God gets me, and I think God gets you. The issue I have is, wait a minute, I, I don't want that answer. I wanted that one. I don't even know God is always right. A few of you do, that's great. It's not right to say, yes, it is, Lord, she says. So she begins now having a dialogue with him. So the first thing is she's just crying out. Jesus, in one level, ignores her. Disciples jump in, la di la di la di la di She positions herself in a different way, and now she's in a conversation with Jesus. This is how I think God wants to talk to us. It's a conversation with Jesus. It's not, well, I need this or I need that. It's actually, I need you. It's not, oh, please do this in my life or please do that in my life, but my, I want to be with you. So there's a massive move here. And remember this Canaanite woman. She was from the wrong side of the track. She was from the wrong people group, from the wrong tribe. But through her plea to the nature of Jesus, to her acknowledgement that she's in the presence of Jesus, immediately she's now in relationship with Jesus. Come on, I love this story. Yes, it is. Even the dogs eat the crumbs. Say, just say crumbs. And here's the point. Sometimes we can feel like we're just getting the crumbs of God. The end bits, the tit bits, the leftovers. Everybody else has a nice time at 8 o'clock, but we leave thinking, what was all that about? But you've been in his presence, so something's happened. Maybe we see on a Sunday morning this happening and that happening and there's a kaboom there and a pow there and woohoo and we're sitting there thinking, nothing like that happens to me. Well, you've just confessed your expectation. Can I suggest that we change it to, nothing happened to me then, but it will next time. 
Because otherwise we're just saying, Lord, 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 do something. Instead of, oh, Jesus. You're... So we have to change something. So this dialogue, and I really love this, is that he says, even the dogs eat the crumbs from the, t- from the master's table, she said. What she's saying is, I get that maybe you're not here for me. I get that. But there is a part of you that I can have, and it's a crumb. There's a part of you that I can have, and it's just a little bit. I'm not expecting to have everything, but I'm expecting to have something. How many of you know that you only get a crumb by breaking a bread? So I know there's not many bakers here. But you get crumbs by breaking something. So what Jesus, I think, was saying in this, and certainly what he's been saying to me, is that Jesus was saying to this lady, I am the bread of life, whether you were there in John or not. And my life is going to be broken, and when it's broken, there's going to be crumbs. But these crumbs are still me, they're still part of who I am, they still have my nature, my identity, my DNA in there. Even if you think you're only worth a crumb, take the crumb. Because crumbs are really valuable to God, how do I know that? He fed 4,000 people. Guess what he did at the end? Gathered up all the crumbs. He he fed 5,000 people at the end. What did he do? Gathered up all the crumbs. Why? Because every crumb is important. Every crumb, every morsel, everything that has been in the hands of Jesus has the DNA of Jesus. Everything that has been touched by God has something of God's nature within it. Even a crumb. Just a little bit. It's just, oh, I'm not worthy of a big bit of God. No, even the leftovers are worth more than nothing. And it may be, yes, I'm just praying and God doesn't really say a lot. Keep going. Because there's a crumb there that could grow into a bread roll. Hallelujah. Stay with the relationship. You might be in worship. It's like you're just tra la 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 and your voice sounds rubbish. And you just keep going because there's a crumb in there. Which wants to grow and produce a whole fat loaf. Why? So that you can go and feed somebody else. So the crumb is for me. The loaf is for them. Are you still following me this? All right. So don't despise leftovers. Oh, I've been left on the shelf or I've been left behind. Or, you know, we're all graduating. I don't feel, I'm the village idiot. Every village has an idiot. Hallelujah. But be the best one you can be. Thank you, Jesus. Because a crumb of Jesus is worth more than nothing. Every village has one. Then she answered, sorry, then Jesus answered, and this is a key, because when I first got get challenged by this, the Lord said to me, what does great faith look like? Okay, well, it, it can sound a certain way in my mind. It can produce a certain thing in my mind. It's a, it's a characteristic of a certain kind of person. But Jesus very rarely says, this is great faith. He only says it a couple of times, and this is one of them. All she wanted was a crumb. With the other one, it was, just say the word. You don't even need to come, just say the word, because I know how it works. You're under authority, say the word. And he said it then, great faith. So great faith hasn't got anything to do with the amount of noise that we make of faith. It's more about who we have faith in. Come on. Now, this is me talking. I know how that works. All right? Great faith is not about what you know. It's about who you know. Great faith is not about 
trying to keep a positive attitude everywhere. Great faith is knowing just a crumb from Jesus is enough. And he wants to give me more than that. Just a bit of Jesus is more than nothing. Hallelujah. But there's the catch. And the catch is this. And this is the challenge for us. Is God wants us to live broken bread lives. That we, A, position ourselves before Jesus in a way that is going to release his mercy and his grace through us, not just to us. That we position ourselves out of the presence of God where we are crumb carriers. In other words, it's not Jesus feed me, feed me, feed me, but it's Jesus use me to feed them. It's not Jesus give me that or give me this or tell me this or tell me that. Because if we go down that route by the law of diminishing returns, which is a real law, we'll end up thinking, well, if God doesn't use me, he doesn't like me. Which is a lie. <laughs> Remember, it's not who we are, it's whose we are. Whose we are. My life, your life, now belongs to the bread of life. Therefore, you're a crumb. Some of you are really big crumbs. Some of you are smaller crumbs. But we're a crumb. Our lives were lived, or to be lived, broken before the Lord. Well, that's where you get crumbs from. On the Last Supper, Jesus took the loaf of bread. Didn't start getting crummy until he broke it. Then he started getting crummy. So how many of you want to live this kind of life for Jesus, is the question. So that we don't just demand things from Jesus to prove that he loves us. He loves you, which is why he's giving you his presence. We don't get umpenty and spit our dummy out because we don't get what we think we deserve because, thankfully, Jesus doesn't give anybody what they deserve. Hallelujah. <laughs> he actually gives us what we don't deserve. Let's not get agitated because we're trying to get on to God and other people give us free advice. Just don't take so much notice of the free advice. Wait for God to speak. In the meantime, enjoy his presence. Enjoy being with God. Enjoy being with Jesus. Enjoy just following him. Enjoy the journey. Don't get distracted by, oh, well, this, this. No, no, there is power in the leftovers. Try, oh Try and just consider yourself, and this is the paradox, isn't it? On one level, there's nothing at all that we can do of any good. That's a good position, but Christ in me can do anything. It's a paradox which only God can make a reality. On one level, we're really rubbish, I get that. On the other one, with Christ, he's turned rubbish into glory. Do you understand what I mean here? And this is what he was trying to teach this lady. In your head, through generations, through history, through religion, through what you've been told for years and years, you are rubbish. But I'm here to tell you, a crumb will change your rubbish to glory. One crumb will change how you've lived, how you've been seen, how you've been seen by others, how you see yourself, even how you talk to me. One crumb will change your reality from rubbish to glory. I don't know about you, but I want to be someone like that. Let's all stand up, shall we? That's a bit of a dump for you, but I am... My mind is, it's always to give people more than they need, because then they have to do something with it. 
But there's the challenges here. A, the reality is we are in the presence of Jesus right now. Not just when we have a need, when we need to see someone healed or, or you know, that's what he does. But we're in the presence of Jesus now. And I mean right now. I could spend a whole lot of time, I'm not going to, about how we should behave because we're in the presence of God. Because some of our behaviour needs to be broken by God. Because we're still behaving like we're outside of God's presence rather than actually being in God's presence. But that is not for me, and that's certainly not for today. And that's about honouring the presence. And we just need to learn that, all right? And God will teach us that by the grace of God. Thank you, Jesus. But it might be that we've got needs, and God knows those needs. The first thing I want us to celebrate with thanksgiving and with singing, if you want to, is part of the needs for the minute, we've got Jesus. We are in the presence of God. Because he said, I will never leave you, which is a really long time. And I will never forsake you, which is a really long time. We have, we are in the presence of Jesus right now. And it may be that, that the answer that he's given us in certain things at the moment is there isn't an answer. But in the presence of God, that is the answer. <laughs> so don't beat yourself up, because I haven't heard this, I haven't heard that. No, no, no. Enjoy the presence of God. Just, just enjoy the presence of Jesus. Just do what the lady did. Come with a sense of humility, with gratitude, she explained the nature, you are the son of God, you're the son of David, if you like. Yeah, Lord, have mercy. I know you're merciful. I know that you care for me. I know that you've got the best for me. I know that this isn't a big deal for you, but I want to plug in with you. I want to engage with you. I want to enjoy your presence, but there is a need. I'm not going to deny it. You know it. But Lord, it's about you right now. Don't let the disciples, don't let mates, friends just jump in with an answer to fill a void when actually it's not God's answer. Now, Jesus says, my sheep will hear my voice. Hallelujah. But then maybe you just need to reposition yourself. It's like, okay, I'm going to come in a different way to God right now. I'm going to come maybe with a bit of sense of humility right now, or a greater sense of confidence right now. Maybe just change how we approach Jesus right now. Make it a different morning than the last 30 mornings, or 40 mornings, or 50 mornings. Make it a different approach to God than the last year, or two years, or 10 years. Because when we approach God differently, he responds differently. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You are the Lord of mercy and you are the Lord of grace, Jesus. And here, in the grace of God, we stand. 
here, this moment, this time, we stand in the grace of God. Father, I pray right now for all of us. You show us in a fresh way and a new way who you are. Who you are. That you show us in a fresh and a new way who you are so that we will receive from you in a fresh way. Because you are the bread of life. You, you are the bread of You are the source. You are the wellspring. You are the beginning and you are the end. You are the alpha and you are the omega. Father, help us not to get stuck. Let's not get rut bound when the bread is outside the rut. Help us, Holy Spirit, to flow and move and develop with you on our journey with you. Holy Spirit, help us to see the power of one crumb. Because that crumb comes from the bread of life. It's the same, it's the same, same DNA, same ingredients. Father, we worship you. Just, just begin to release and worship to Jesus. But as we worship him, we approach him differently. And I believe God responds differently. As God responds differently, we respond differently. Just worship him. Just have an atmosphere of worship in your own, the world of your own life right now. <laughs> Because God does want to release healing right now. Liberty and freedom. Praise you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I worship you. 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 I delight in 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 you. I exalt you, I exalt you, I exalt you, I exalt you, Lord. I exalt you, Lord. I exalt you.
Father, I want to thank you that everyone who came to you received something. Everyone. And Father, like the example of this lady, she received what she came for. Jesus said, because of your great faith. And I just want to leave you with this thought. There can be loads of stuff happening in our lives. Loads. Multitudes. It can come across as pressures or intimidations or we can give credit to the debt. doesn't matter. Because the answer is because of your great faith. Because of your great faith. This stuff doesn't happen because of your great faith. The answer happens because of your great faith. So stuff happens. Get over yourself. Because, because of your great faith, you will end up on the top. Because of our great faith, we get what God wants us to get. So there's a because, and that's where this particular story, it's a real story ends, is because of your great faith. Your daughter is healed from that very hour. And there's something about the immediacy of when, when, God, when Jesus speaks, something immediately happens. Again, we haven't got time to look at all of that now, but there are loads of scriptures, loads of reinforcing real stories. But sometimes there's a waiting, sometimes there's a silence, but God's in the silence. Sometimes there's free advice, and there's loads of free advice. But when we change our position and just come before God differently, immediately he responds. Immediately. So why don't we thank God for the immediate response that we have? That God loves you and me that much that he wants, us, that he wants to respond immediately. Let's just thank him for a moment and then we can go and have a cup of tea. If that's your thing. Yes! Hallelujah! Praise you, praise you, praise you, praise you. Hallelujah! Hallelujah. Amen. We thank you, God, that you are faithful to all that you have made. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources from Kingdom Faith and our other audio and video podcasts, please visit www.kingdomfaith.com. 